You're listening to Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, April 5th, a couple days after Notre Dame's fourth spring practice. Tim Priester, Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Tim, let's pick up kind of where we left off with our instant analysis after uh, we spoke with Brian Kelly and had four player interviews on Saturday. And let's start with, I mean, some really good news, I think, as far as, you know, wide receiver play at Notre Dame. Uh, the positive news on Braden Lindsay and Lawrence Keys, and and the and the actual sighting of or suggestion yeah. that these two guys are a lot stronger, which has probably been the main thing that has held them back up to this point. And we didn't bring it up. That's an important thing. You remember, people have to realize sometimes the media will say, "How is Braden Lindsay looking?" And Brian Kelly has to answer, and you're going to put a positive spin on it, kind of like last year. Oh, he'll be fine after next week. This was talk. Tell us about the wide receivers. And that's the, those are the next two names he used. I find that important because he could be at his wit's end sometimes with guys. He could be at his wit's end, and he won't offer those names. And he offered the names I think fans wanted to hear. And really, I mean, media and analysts want to hear, too. you you got to get a hit out of Braden Lindsay or Lawrence Keyes this year, right? That is that is absolutely crucial. Yeah, at least one of them. One of, one then, of them, yeah. And then we saw video, some video evidence of mm-hmm. Keyes. He kind of got – he took a swing pass and, and uh, got a good block, broke off a tackle, and – got upfield. I don't know that we can necessarily say, oh yeah, he looks a lot stronger, but I did hear through the grapevine then that Lindsay did catch a deep ball in live uh, in a live yeah. situation on Saturday. And we also saw a video of Lindsay catch a deep ball. I don't remember which couple practice days it prior. Was yeah. Right. So that's a good sign. And it's good to hear that. And the, 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 he also, Brian Kelly also brought up Jordan Johnson unsolicited and, and, and said some really good things. And, I alluded to this in the instant analysis afterwards, but I mean, the whole, the whole thing about academics, you've got to understand that it's very real at Notre Dame. If a guy's in academic trouble as a true freshman in the fall, it's going to be extremely difficult yeah. for him to get on the field. And it sounds like he's straightened some things out. And I get that fans in our message board don't totally understand that, but I think if we knew Brian Kelly better 10 years ago, remember when Devaris Daniels could get on the field and they had like four wide receivers in the program. <laughs> you couldn't get Devaris Daniels on the and field. He wouldn't say academics. He wouldn't say academics back then, career. but that's yeah. what, I mean, if the guy never got on the field in 12 games and you literally didn't have a too deep, I think we can trace these things back. And I think it's sometimes it's just getting someone through their freshman year, getting them through their freshman year. They develop the habits and then things click off the field because I think everybody believes Jordan Johnson's at least the, I don't know what his ceiling is, but I don't know if he's a high five-star, but he, his floor is not low, right? He's a good football player. If that's what you, I don't, I don't see him bottoming out. I never looked at him as a five-star guy. Had he, if he were six, three or six, four, maybe you look at that a little differently. He's, I believe he's under six, two, but we think of him as a, as a bigger receiver. Certainly not a project, um, though, right? No, you don't think no, of them that well, way. I mean, yeah. Because, yeah, remember, I mean, yeah. Brian Kelly in the fall basically said it's not it's yeah. not about ability. It's it's other things. And people can go ahead and laugh at traits. If he said standards instead of traits, which is basically the same thing, we might look at it a little bit differently. I think Nick Saban uses standards yeah. Yeah. frequently, and that's basically saying the same thing. So all good news there. I, th- I thought it was also – you know, and I and I think at, at, at four practices at, at this point, just based upon what we've seen and heard, Cone, Pine, Buckner, and we have a question in the second segment about all three of them, but 
Conan Pine getting first team reps. I think we we have liked what we've seen of both Conan Pine. And then Brian Kelly says that Buckner had his best practice on on Saturday in practice number four. And knocking off the rust in practice number four is a good sign. If you hear around practice 13, you know, Buckner's starting to come around. That's a wasted spring. But if he's knocking off the rust now, that's good. Um, There's no reason to ask a question about Tyler Buckner pushing for a starting role until we talk to assistant coaches or people off the record after spring into the summer and hear how well he's doing in the summer. It looks like it's a cone pine thing right now. And that makes total sense. Yeah, We do have a question on that in second segment. And and I I do want to go ahead and ask that question and just address that situation. Baker and Fisher. um, We're talking about true freshman uh, Fisher, redshirt freshman Baker competing for the left tackle spot. Um, what that means as it relates to Patterson, there are so many levels to this whole conversation and we'll try to address them. If not in segment one, segment two, but Fisher is, and I'll get into why I had him rated a little bit less in and I'll deal with that in segment two, but Fisher looks good. I mean, physically he looks good. Um, I think Baker has a tendency to lunge a little bit and, and get it, you know, his upper body gets out in front of his, lower body because you're trying to react to a pass rush but those are two young very highly touted young players that are that are flashing early partly out of necessity but I think partly out of the fact that they're pretty damn good yeah it occurred to me today also um you could have a Patterson on one side scenario and think back to 2017 where you had a redshirt freshman and a freshman sharing the other tackle it's the exact same thing Tosh Baker and Blake Fisher take the place of Tommy Kramer and Robert Haynes. Like that idea. It might be one. I mean, you, you certainly don't want to give one of those guys unless they're just going to be an All-Pro someday. Six hundred and fifty snaps to start his right. his career. Right. So really, any job share was interesting there. Well, I, I think that's an interesting notion. And you know, I mean, if they truly are one and one A, if they're if it's very yeah. difficult at the end of the spring to say this one's better than the other or this one has more upside, I think that's a I, I think that's a creative idea, and it was creative when they did it with, but right. it was Kramer. It was it was, it was Kramer and Hainsey. Kramer yeah. and Hainsey, yeah, yeah, back then. It, at, and at that tackle. was a, that was a shock. That is a good way of looking at this because Eichenberg and Kramer were the guys in the spring, and you thought, oh well, one of those guys wins. No, it's just they 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 found the best guys, or in this right. case, the best tandem to play, and it's that's refreshing. It's and not it's, just the guy that's older, right? And then it's kind of a uh, two birds with one stone kind of thing because you're developing two young players yeah. at, at once, and you're getting comparable production presumably from right. from each so i think that's interesting andrew christophic showed up a lot in this saturday's film and i believe he did as well uh from the previous thursday i have gotten some feedback that he's doing a pretty good job at right guard that would be that would be huge for notre dame i mean if he's legit and, and it'll be growing pains because he hasn't played yeah so you get game situations and there certainly will be growing pains during the fall but if he is actually I'm not eliminating Dirksen from the competition at guard. And we know that Lug will probably end up at guard. Although I think that could still be a great call for both of us, but (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, So, I mean, your thoughts on Christophic and because he's not a, he's not that big, man. He's he's under 300 pounds. And when you're talking about a guard on this level, 292, I think is what he's at. That's not very big. It isn't, but maybe functional strength and technique overtakes yep. it for Dirks. Yep. I mean, you know, look, we don't, we don't know enough about Dirksen to say this, but Dirksen's a senior. This is his first chance that he has ever really 
been in a conversation at all. And it's because they lost four offensive linemen to be fair. Right. He, he might be better than that. He might elevate above right. that. Like if you talk about Dylan Gibbons, Dylan Gibbons was the first guard off the bench last year. We at least spoke of Dylan Gibbons. It makes sense that he is challenging now when you lose some guards, I bet they just want to make sure you have six, seven, eight options in there. Um, yeah. You certainly aren't going to say, Dirksen won the job by a little bit. He's our guard for the entire year. It's not a Tommy Kramer situation. So I think it's good that you hear other names coming up and you probably can't name a starter tomorrow. (laughs) Right. And likewise, let me jump back to Baker Fisher. They don't have to make a decision at the end of the spring. No. I mean, again, if it's still close, you go into the summer and you let them compete and they work hard. Maybe they're so good. They say, can Fisher play guard? Can Baker play guard? Can we, I mean, you you can't do those things. You're getting. Yeah. But I, but I, I, it's positive news that I've heard on Christophic and just, we're talking about weight. Dirksen's 15 pounds heavier than him. And that's that's a significant amount at the guard position, again, on this level. And we should um, give let, – let's pay credence to it that John Dirksen has had Matt Bayless his whole career. So John Dirksen should be prepared to compete, just like we think anybody else would be. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like – well, yeah, I'll, I'll save that thought for the second segment because we do have a question on that. We saw a lot of Michael Mayer on Saturday in the film. I also heard that he had a really dominant – really dominant day on the practice field, which I don't know that a hundred percent true, but I think we can probably speculate it is accurate. I mean, he's going to have a lot of really dominant Saturdays on the football field in the fall. He already has. And Usu Cormo and Kyle Hamilton are out there to guard him. So who's checking Michael Mayer right now? DJ <laughs> Brown mean, in the film. Yeah, and that's, that's a bad matchup. That's, not, that's <laughs> not going well for a lot of college teams. And so Notre Dame's not having their two best guys to guard a tight end probably isn't the plan right yeah. now to, to slow down my, young Michael Mayer in practice. Yeah, we are seeing a lot of Jack Kaiser, uh, presumably at an outside linebacker slash rover spot, and J.D. Bertrand, who I know, I mean, they've liked him the, from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? He's just showing up on the film a lot. What do you yeah. make of those two? I, you know, it's Kaiser makes sense that what, as I mentioned, no Usu Kormo and Moal is hurt. Kaiser's the guy that's got to go out there. I mean, yeah. He's a more instinctive linebacker than Isaiah Pryor. I don't know if he is faster once you know where you're going. Once Isaiah Pryor reads and diagnoses it, maybe you can attack it better. But we we saw Kaiser react pretty well to things when he's he was good in that, in that yeah. field in that yeah, game. He's good I in mean, space. He had the pick against was it BC? I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, important because it wasn't the 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 one starting game. He actually continued to play good football right. in in small spurts. You make a good point though. Um, I just did not expect to see Bertrand flashing because of all the other names you could use inside. Bauer, yeah, White, even Simon. I mean, that was not a, that was not something I thought you'd be talking about after practice four or five. Yeah, no, I hear you. Yeah, we didn't see. I don't know. Did you see Drew White in the in the video? No, Saturday? but maybe that's maybe that's why Bertrand's flashing. They don't have to announce maybe. when that's someone has an ankle injury or something right, exactly. like that. Yeah. So, so, so we don't know. But you know, Bertrand is always around the ball when they when they show the clip, and Kaiser has the ability to do that as well. I think Pryor is. You know, Kaiser's just a little bit better in space. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Pryor was a safety, but it just, again, it just seems like when he's up on the line of scrimmage defending a run or, you know, maybe rushing the quarterback, I, I just, I, it just looks like he's better in, in those situations. We could find out about White, but I can tell you one thing if we don't talk to Drew White in the next two Saturdays, Drew White turned an ankle or hurt a hand or something right, like that. Because right, right, he's a guy right. that comes out first right. and uh, he hasn't been out. And Bo Bauer has been out. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, this and many topics to address in segment two. Coming right back. How long have you been a Notre Dame fan? When was your first game? And do you have an interesting game story to tell? 
I'm Len Clark of the Notre Dame Football Heritage Project, a project to document the Notre Dame football fan experience. Commemorate your first game or your loyalty to the Fighting Irish with a Notre Dame Football Heritage Project certificate. To learn more, go to ndcertificate.com. Welcome back to segment two, burning up the boards. First question is from NJL Irish. What are you hearing regarding special teams, particularly kicker Jonathan Dorr? You know, we, we're, we're going to have to ask uh, Brian Kelly specifically about Dorr. I'm not sure how much kicking they have done. The one, the one thing that I did hear about Saturday's practice was that the punting, presumably Jay Bramlett, was spectacular. So uh, I know people are more interested in getting the kicker squared yeah. up you know, squared yeah. off again, like he was uh, prior to his last five games of, of last year. But, but Bramlett being spectacular is important too. Cause I thought he, although his, his average increased pretty significantly last year, a lot of those were on bounces and yeah, stuff. he wasn't as good. They still it doesn't return it, but yeah, they still don't return it much against them, but you know, you'd like to see a little bit more distance out of him. He was like an old school '80s weapon as a freshman, dropping the ball inside the twenty, and there were no touchbacks and everything. It was as if that's one of the just a few times where you look at the raw average net and gross. It, it wasn't the same thing. Bramble was just yeah more I mean, effective. They, yeah, and they, they, you know, very few opponents return it against them, and when they do, it's like for three point two yards per return. So, I mean, which we a, should point out, important. which we should point out, is something that gets complained about only one way. The Notre Dame punt return unit does not get a lot of yards. Oh, yeah. Neither does yeah. the other one, and that's because most people don't get a lot of yards anymore. Chris Fink yeah. got a lot of yards. No one noticed, but that's okay. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> he did. Wouldn't, wouldn't everybody <laughs> love to have Chris Fink back? We tried to explain that he was among the top 25 punt returners in the country two years in a row. It's just like I think people are in their minds think every punt returner should be Tim Brown, and it's just not that way anymore. It's not. You don't see no, a lot of them not. around the country. No, and, you don't. No, and hey, I, I get I get the desire from sure, people to get sure. somebody that's a little bit more explosive. And they had Lawrence Keys back there, and then he fumbled, and then he got hurt. And so at that point, you have a, you have Salerno, who you know is going to catch absolutely everything, and the it's a risk reward in today's game with punt returns. I understand it'd be yes. nice to snap one off every now and then you know, to shorten the field for your offense. but Or just not fair catch every time. I think that really bothers people. Um, we should point out, it's taken me, I'm going to verify this after I say it, because I think I'm right. Alabama was 122nd in kickoff returns last year. I have, I actually saw that. I, I So let, let, let's say it's 104th. It's not a weapon for the best team of the country either. You yeah. know, it's just, it's a different world. Uh, I, some teams, know, fair, you, you see some good ones, but I don't, yeah, the fair catch, I get it. Yeah, I get but people, you don't, but, but you want him to get blasted when he should be right, fair right. catching. I mean, no, I, I don't. No. I don't have a particular problem with it. But it would it would be nice to have somebody that's, that can you know can can eliminate one or two first downs that you need on the ensuing yes, drive. That's 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 the best way to say it. I get it. I get it. Question from Jju: Does the winner of the Fisher Baker battle at tackle play right tackle or left tackle? I like Patterson a bunch, but I believe both of those guys have more length which might be more conducive to the left tackle. It is a really good question. The problem with answering it is I have a feeling if Jarrett Patterson were healthy, you would hear that Baker and Fisher were battling at right tackle right now. And that's just throwing in some logic that if Jarrett Patterson walked into this camp totally healthy, ready to move the tackle, he would probably be working right now. doesn't mean practice number four, you don't switch it. 
but I bet he would be the guy working a left tackle and yeah. then working a right tackle. Yeah, no, I think that's true. Um, but I, you know, I don't know. I, I, and I get it. They have more oh, good points. Yeah, there, yeah. There's no doubt about that, but yeah, I think experience and, and efficiency and proficiency is more important than that extra two and a half inches. In some case, he's six, four and a half. So inch and a half. Yeah. And you know, that's a great point, Tim, because Ronnie Stanley started out at right tackle before moving to left tackle. Mike McGlinchey started McGlinchey out at right tackle. Too, yeah. Mike McGlinchey right tackle before moving to left tackle. Zach Martin would have if they had a functioning offensive line when Brian Kelly got here. I think people probably missed that. Um, and right now in the spring, they don't have a functioning offensive line because they don't have Derek Patterson. I, right. I think that's part of it. Um, good news is if they're so good at left tackle, I bet you Derek Patterson can, as Brian Kelly likes to say, plug and play at right tackle. So yeah, that will help. Well, a lot. I'm going to Tim, I'm going to jump ahead to a question here, uh, down near the bottom of your page here, army 72. What if Jarrett Patterson oh. is not 100% by August? I think that'd be a pretty big issue. Yeah, I mean, you're I, taking away your best I, offensive line. I mean, it's definitely a big issue because then you lost all five starters. Well, you also lost your best offensive lineman. For <clears throat> it doesn't matter yeah. how good Tosh Baker and Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler become. Jarrett Patterson is their best offensive lineman this year and probably next year, and he's going pro too in good health. Um, just because he's older doesn't mean he's not better. We're trying to anoint every freshman that walks through the door right now because Blake Fisher's good. <laughs> but I don't know. Uh, Lug has to play tackle, right? Uh, probably. Um, yeah. Well, I first of all, Fisher, let, first of all let, yeah, let me say this. He's ahead of schedule. He, the, the hardware has been removed from his foot recently, like within the last, I don't know, 10 days to two weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know that I, you know, I'm his running schedule and just the rehab is like about a month ahead of schedule the way I understand it. So okay. um, I don't anticipate him not being 100% by August, but you know, does it? I, I Lug could be a right tackle. Does it push Fisher and Baker both into the starting lineup? Is not with my there? brilliant idea, Tim, of tag teaming. We're we're I, sticking with that. I right hear now. you. <laughs> I, it's a great one, and I love it. Um, you know, I I don't know. There's there's moving parts here. Quinn Carroll yeah. is Quinn Carroll. You know, Guard, why is yeah. Quinn Carroll? I mean, obviously, he's not a candidate for the left tackle spot. So let's say Baker, the older guy, beats out Fisher. Does Fisher now compete with Carroll on the right side? If there's you no would think Patterson? so. I would think so. If there's no Patterson, you're, you just got to remove Patterson from the mix. If you have to remove your best offensive lineman, I think then you might be defaulting to all right. Blake Fisher was really good. Tosh Baker was a little bit better. We got to get them both out there. That yeah. I understand. I do understand that. Well, and getting back to Jay Jude's question, I mean, we don't know for sure that. Okay, let's say okay, Baker wins the job. Does that mean he starts a right tackle or is it left tackle and Patterson goes out? We don't know that yet. Patterson was definitely pegged for left tackle upon the conclusion of the 2020 season. Right. Right. But you know, things, things change, things adjust. And, and so there you go. Okay. Now we're jumping back up to Buster Bivin. Buster Bivin. Underrated recruit is a label often applied to three-star players. Was Blake Fisher underrated as a recruit? Well, apparently, since he's competing for a starting spot, apparently I underrated him as I rated him within the class. And again, it wasn't because I didn't think he had ability, he had a world of ability, but I thought that he was carrying too much weight. And I just had questions about his maturity to play right away, which is a question for every offensive lineman. Yeah, and it it still is. We're in practice number four. It still is. 
And he was, yes. He, <laughs> There's he five offensive linemen missing from last year. Right. And he still has not accomplished other than competing for a spot, which is an accomplishment. Yeah. We still have no idea what, you know, but he was the 54th rated player in the country by 24 seven sports compositely, which means he just missed being a five-star prospect. I just didn't, you know how I am about offensive line film. I don't, I don't want to see a guy in a camp, an offensive lineman, grab somebody and throw them down. Okay. That may, yep. that may seem really impressive, but in football, they call that holding. So I'm not, I'm not overly impressed with things like that, but he, you know, he showed some brute strength and he would, he would fall on players, prone players that weren't in a position to get up and make a tackle in high school. And I don't like that either. So yeah, I, I, I just didn't think that he would be competing at this spot. So from that standpoint, I vastly underrated him. Yes. Yeah, especially since he's competing at tackle, whereas you could have, you could have looked at Notre Dame's roster and noticed that if John Dirksen and Dylan Gibbons are the number one rated guards coming in, you'd say, well, maybe Blake Fisher gets a shot right there to try to see if talent can push through, but he's competing at tackle versus against their best recruit from last year. So we underrated him. Yeah. yeah. yeah I think I, I had mean, him fifth. I mean, I know I had, I know I had, Spindler ahead of him, Buckner ahead of him, Styles ahead of him, and I think Collie ahead of him. So I, yeah, I guess I over, I underrated him too. Yeah. If I had because him he is, I mean, you know, compositely according to twenty four seven Sports, he was the highest rated player right in the class. Uh, but he's doing great things and good for him. We're happy for him. Wash ND. It appears Tyler Buckner is destined for third string this year, but with him gaining some trust with Brian Kelly and his obvious speed and athleticism. Could Notre Dame's quarterback depth be much stronger than originally expected? He'd be a really good third string player if you want to look at it that way. If he's if he continues to progress, yeah, like at this, any age, that's a hell of a third age, string that's quarterback. A heck of a, yeah, that's <laughs> a lot better than they've had recently. I mean, I mean, I guess so I suppose Dracovic, uh, upon arrival, we would have thought was a great third string player, but he wasn't upon arrival when we found out. He definitely yeah. was not. He, yeah. That's when he struggled. Uh, it is good news that I I'm gonna look. I just said I ranked Buckner. <laughs> number two in the class. And I think Buckner is going to be a really good quarterback. So I don't mean to pull for someone, but I would like to see Tyler Buckner continue to ascend to the point where it's, he's not on scout team this year. I, I'd yeah. like to see him a viable player. If for some reason they lose a game in September. Um, Isn't it nice. We I, wonder about them not losing games anymore in September, October. Uh, used to be like, well, they will be six and three going into the, <laughs> now it's yeah, now you're like, a, you could, you could get through. I think they'll be a little bit more vulnerable than yeah. normal or that, or, or oh, they sure, have sure. been in recent years and then let's go ahead and tie in the question from am michaels which is is tyler buckner getting legitimate first team looks no he's not uh nor probably should he he doesn't he doesn't know the playbook i'm sure he doesn't know all the coverages i'm sure he doesn't can't look at everything and adjust the protection these are all real life issues for a young quarterback and he's not to our knowledge, he's not getting first-team reps now. Yeah, I pulled up something from Kelly uh, with Reese back when Reese was a quarterback, early stages. So 2012, so Reese was competing against uh, Golson and Hendricks. And uh, in the spring, Kelly said, I want to ask Kelly about this, if he could do it with Buckner. He said, if I just went out there and had these guys compete in the offense, Tommy Reese would win the job without blinking because nobody else can run the offense. But he, wow. made, it, he made it in September where it wasn't just Tommy Reese having his knowledge of the offense win it. And as you recall, Everett Golson won the job. Yeah. Um, I do wonder how much they can do that with a guy like Buckner. Now he probably has a lot more faith in a graduate transfer in Cone 
and maybe what he has in Pine than he did in Hendricks or Golson at the time. But that, I, I, I have the quotes. I'm paraphrasing when I say that, but he said, this isn't a competition. I can run that way. Tommy Reese knows the whole offense and nobody else knows anything. Right. And, and Cohn has 18 career starts. Yeah. I was told he played very, very well on Saturday, you know, and I think, um, I mean, I like, I've liked everything I've seen about Drew Pine, including the interview where he was kind of antsy and man, he had a lot to say and, uh, you know, but I mean, on the field, I like the way he throws the football. We know that, we know that his, from hearing about winter workouts, about the respect that he's gained from his teammates, he has natural leadership qualities, which is why I asked him about that uh, on Saturday, uh, Pine himself. It's a, it is a good, I mean, it's a good group of quarterbacks. You know why I think people are down on Pine, and maybe I'm guilty of this? We saw how small he looked. Well, there's if no Drew doubt. Pine, if Drew Pine never got on the field last year and he was just that novelty redshirt freshman, everybody embraces the guy that's never played before, right? Yeah. And, and the guy's never played before, you like him a lot because you've never seen him do anything wrong. I feel like him standing out there against Alabama's defensive line was just like, yeah, this is a problem. We can't continue. <laughs> He's going to get broken into seven pieces. But uh, had he not been out there, I think people would feel differently that, that downgrade him a little bit for his athleticism. The only way they would it would be worse is if you saw him standing behind the Alabama offensive line, <laughs> yes. which is just <laughs> – those guys are twice his size. You know, I mean, yeah, no, there's no doubt. And it it, it it's striking, his, his size, but – he will play better than his size once he gets. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I fully the, believe yeah. that. So it's a, it's a, it's a good trio. I think Cone will win the job for, you know, experience reasons, size reasons, yeah. uh, just knowledge of of the game. And he did have, and he apparently did have a very good Saturday. So um, that's good to hear. Terry Benedict. Many would say that Michael Mayer and Kyle Hamilton are the most talented players on the team. In what ways can they improve? I think Michael Mayer has already taken a step in that direction by trimming down. I mean, he just, he just looks more uh, mobile. He looks, he looks trimmer. He was, he's always looked mobile, but man, he looked like a big, big dude as a true freshman. And then my best advice to Kyle Hamilton is don't get hurt in the first game of the year. I was going to say, I I do not want to evaluate Kyle Hamilton's film. And he played a whole year with an injury, like Kyle Hamilton, and also what they ask him to do versus not ha- his, his other safety was a five, nine corner. Like they didn't have a regular situation for Kyle Hamilton to thrive in. If you just put Jalen Elliott back there last year, Kyle Hamilton would have had five picks, a touchdown, four sacks. Yeah. It was, they were, they were hamstrung in that, in that back end. And it's not Sean Crawford's fault. They're hamstrung. It's their recruiting fault. And Sean Crawford had to play that role. True. I, you know, with, when Kyle Hamilton's on the field, um, He's he's the eleventh and twelfth guy. He's he's the, yeah. Like he's, yes, yes. He, he is being asked to do a lot of things on the back end and the front end of the. He was a leading tackler on the team, and it wasn't because yeah, that's guys great, were that's catching passes in front of him. No, it's not a bad stat in his so, situation. Yeah, so I mean, his role is is so extensive and so diverse. Uh, but I, you know, I I. Because he got banged up early, and we I don't know we don't know exactly how bad he was on occasions throughout the season, but hey, he had surgery yes. at the end yes. of the season. So um, you know, there's there's a reason for it, but I it, I would be hard pressed to point out something from last year. Yeah. Because if it was if it did look like a shortcoming on film, it was probably tied to the health of his ankle. And Mayer was great for a freshman, and now it's time for him to be great. 
for a college tight end. That's the way looking at Mayer. Like you would, whatever we saw on film, if Mayer ever missed an inline block, you're like, all right, two freshmen out there against Alabama or Clemson, you could miss an inline block. But as he progresses, you're going to start judging him like you did Eifert and Rudolph and say, hey, this, uh, this has agree. to be done. And I, and I will just say, everybody, don't be surprised if you continue to see him split wider and wider and wider in in the yeah. pre-snap yeah. alignment because at, now now that he at least he looks a little bit trimmer he can probably do a little bit more in the open field and he is your i mean you want to we always talk about receivers receivers your best receivers michael mayer and close he's probably your best w receiver too just go out there and play I, I, like eifert was eifert was their best w. that's what I, I mean that's what i'm saying don't be yeah. surprised hint hint if you see him you know s- split a little wide records 33 hot in the practice four film review. It's mentioned that the top three offensive tackles appear to be Patterson, Baker, and Fisher. Does that say more about how impressive Fisher has been so far or how underwhelming the other offensive tackles on the rosters have been? Is Fisher now considered more of an offensive tackle prospect than an offensive guard? I think the only, the, the major surprise, I mean, I guess Fisher is number one. So, but one B is that Lug would be automatically pegged for guard. I just thought Lug would be pegged for a tackle spot. Other than that, uh, I've never seen Quinn Carroll as I've seen Quinn Carroll as a guard the whole time. Um, I saw Andrew Christophic as a tackle the whole time, but I would have thought Baker would look better than him this year. I don't people. I don't think people understand that they're not playing without their five best offensive linemen from last year. All five are gone. I, I don't. Patterson sideline four out. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how you can watch football for an extended period of time and not realize the chemistry of an offensive line takes time to develop 999 times out of a thousand. And the senior class has one player that has shined in Patterson. The fifth year seniors best is lug who, you know, was the sixth best lineman on the team last year. And the other guy that's going to help out is Gibbons who people just haven't seen that much. So you're taking fifth year and senior guys. And then the best junior is Zeke Carell is the only guy we're not questioning. Like it, the talent of this offensive line is mostly Baker, Fisher, Spindler, and then you're putting in guys like Carell and Patterson. It, it, you don't get like that class that has two fifth-year seniors that are going to start in Kramer and right. Eichenberg. You don't have two out of three hits in the other one. It's just there was a little bit of a drop-off at the top. Yeah, I mean, to answer the question, I mean, your other, your other tackles are Quinn Carroll, who I can go back to a film review where I said, this guy can be a very good offensive tackle, but he could be a great guard. Um, and I'm not, you know, again, we, we've said this before that, that there's persistent talk that he's not, you know, he's a little stiff in how he plays. And, you know, Carmody is one of your, was one of the other projected tackles. He's getting snaps at center. Um, you know, so I think Fisher has, Fisher has, has been good. There's no doubt about that, but you know, the other tackle candidates are a little bit, underwhelming I, w- I wouldn't disagree with that and as far as is Fisher a tackle or a guard this is a conversation I've had with people I mean I, I think I, he's certainly capable of playing offensive tackle on this level Robert Hainsey did it yeah he's not, yeah. A, ta- he's not a tackle but I think and you know the only thing we really care about is that at the Notre Dame level and sure he can play tackle I think eventually in the NFL he, he moves inside uh, but he can he can do both, and and it's a it's he came in in really good shape, and yeah. I had not seen him in that kind of shape. So, yeah, that helps him. 
play the tackle position. But I think it's a combination. Fishers look look good, and they don't have a ton of answers at, at tackle right now. This is a two-parter, one from ND Band 94 Based on the little things you've seen on film and what you heard through our context, what has surprised you the most this spring? And related, it would be Jim underscore Booney, CRS. What is your favorite unexpected spring storyline so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I, the, the news on Keys and Lindsay from Brian Kelly is great. Now, you know as well as I do, Tim, you usually deal with this story that the listing of weights, Keys is at 173, which generally tells you that he hasn't gained much weight. We don't right. know if that's accurate actually or not. accurate yeah. or not. Uh, we were corrected on a, a weight uh, on Saturday. Adam Iola's whatever, listed as 255. Justin, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and Lindsay's at 181. But I, you know, I, so we don't know if those are accurate, but more importantly, Brian Kelly saying that they're playing stronger and more consistent. That's the most important thing. What the yeah. actual weight number is, isn't as important as are they playing? You mentioned earlier, functional, right. Functional strength. Are they playing with functional strength? If so it appears. Yeah. That's the, the spot where remember our first podcast, we said, someone asked, what's your biggest concern, offensive line or wide receiver. And we both said, Offensive line because wide receiver they're going to have. Talk Samson in the offensive. Yeah, line talk too. Samson into it. Yes, but we uh, they have the talent at wide receiver just has to come through. Uh, the talent at offensive line is there too. It's just really young, so that's that's a different. Yeah, situation. I, you know Fisher competing for a starting spot. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. If if what I'm hearing about Christophe the right guard is legit, that's a pleasant surprise. Yeah, uh, you know Justin Walters continues to show up on film with the second unit. And he's 178 pounds or something. I mean, that's if you that's really small. That's really light for a safety. And I've I've heard good things about <coughs> excuse me, Ryan Barnes actually at safety. I don't have anything to validate that. There was I didn't see anything on the film. Uh, but those would be if Walters and Barnes are actually picking things up and capable of working with the second unit. That's really, really important. That, that's huge because you do need to throw <laughs> – you, you definitely need to throw some young talent at that defensive secondary. Like, it's it's crucial, I think. It doesn't mean there's, DJ Brown can't play his role and Houston Griffith can't play a role and be better, but – Right. There's like, more, I think I counted – there are 12 defensive backs on the field this spring, and there will be 15 and – yeah. Come fall. Yeah, there's, there's definitely 15 come fall. Yeah, because you've been yeah. trying to figure so, out how they're going to work. You know, but. help is on the way. Um, yeah. So, uh, let's see. We said the Jarrett Patterson question. Kay Beasley, could 2021 end up with a similar disappointing storyline to 2016, albeit not as bad as 4-8? and eight? In 2016, they lost three offensive linemen. With an inex- they had an inexperienced receiving core, decent quarterback in Kaiser, most looked at the schedule and thought nine and three, eight and four, but the offense struggled. The defense was not very good, and the Irish lost a ton of one-score games. You know, you see this being like 2016, Tim. No, I got to take four and eight in 2016 off the table because that was a rudderless ship. Brian Kelly was not the coach he is now. It was just not a good situation. What other I mean, that, that was a what? poorly other... coached program. That was a bad everything. It was all awful. That's terrible. Let's keep saying bad words about it. It was terrible. Um, coaching, what other major difference is there between 2021 and 2016 on the defensive side of the ball? <laughs> yeah, I guess that's that – was, I wasn't even thinking about it. I oh, forgot he was there. I, I was Gorder, say two, yes. There are only two words. I mean, Brian Van Gorder's defense was in, in disarray in right. It was ridiculous. 2016. It was totally ridiculous. Avery Sebastian started at safety in Austin, Texas in the season opener. 
after transferring in and not being able to play at Cal. So let's throw out 2016, but your expectations nowadays are 10 and two, 11 and one. So I do think the team needs to get through that Tallahassee game with the new offensive line and quarterback and like the Cincinnati, Wisconsin area. You don't want to come out of there with two losses that that makes everything harder. You know, you can kind of go four and one this year, but you're coming out of there three and two. I, I could see it. I don't, I, I'm not predicting three and two, but I, I probably would predict four and one, not five and oh, wouldn't you? Unless I'm, unless I'm not memorizing my schedule correctly. Let, let's say, let's yeah, say not six and oh, if, if I don't, I don't, I wouldn't predict six and oh. I right wouldn't, now. I wouldn't think so. Just based upon, I mean, this will be my 40th preseason evaluation. And, and those, those preseason evaluations tell you that, man, you lost a lot. You lost a lot of talent and it makes you, it just makes you, I'm not saying they're going to lose. It just makes you more vulnerable. We yeah. take, you know, we take narrow wins for granted. You move on to the next one. I don't, you know, I don't know that you can, I don't know that you can assume that, you know, the 12 to seven game against Louisville goes your way this year, just because of the that's, lack of experience. That's a good example. <clears throat> Ian Book was having a bad day and he willed that play to win yeah, the game. Yeah, on third down. I mean, he was heavy. Yeah, he, he, he just willed it. That was he did. He shouldn't have scored on the play, and he scored the game-winning touchdown. Kevin Austin fell down twice on that route. By the way, if people want to watch that video, really? Yep. Cross fell down, got up, fell down. So books like I better go. He, I better run. Why was he falling down? <laughs> Inexperienced was, player on the football well, field. I thought maybe he fell his down, foot was already yeah. bothering him or something. Uh, very piratey. Very piratey with Boykin, Claypool, and McKinley each having an impressive swan song. Which of the following players do you believe will have a similar season? Lindsey, Keys, or Wilkins? I actually okay. think well, I don't, I don't all should come back yeah. too next year. Pardon me? All those guys should come back next year too, if, even if they have good years. Boy, you're absolutely right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah. I don't I don't think any of those three will have a season like Boykin or Claypool. No, now, I don't either. But those those were I mean Claypool McKinley, was an MVP. That's that's yeah, take that off the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um yeah, we all, you know, and I, I I appreciate questions like this, but usually yeah. it's asked like, well, who's gonna do this? Well, I don't think Mayor. I don't think any of them. Yeah, mayor. I don't think I don't think any of them will, at least not certainly not in the Claypool category, and but not the not the Boykin either. And then he, I mean, even if you look at McKinley's numbers, I mean I I think a I think a health healthy, stronger Lindsay can do that. I'm not I'm just not confident that Keys can be a guy that is that consistent week to week. I've liked what I've seen of Joe Wilkins on film this spring. He keeps popping up. He really does, and he keeps he keeps making plays. But we know that there's a cap on his pure physical athletic ability. Yeah. So I don't, you know, I wouldn't look for, I would be looking for a Boykin Claypool type emergence, you know, from there. I, I I do think it will be, I do think the philosophy is going to lean more towards, we got to get more receivers on the field and see yeah. if. I can Agreed. make a play in live competition. And I think Lindsay could be what we thought Lindsay could be last year, which was a, a weapon. Yeah. And keys could maybe be what we thought keys would be when we first saw him at well, this and, point, making plays, you know, what about Kevin Austin? I mean, Kevin Austin's not placed into this equation. I, I would prop, I would have more confidence with all the stuff that man, man, oh man, with all the stuff that Kevin Austin has gone through. And now the physical part of it, if he's healthy, I'm, I'm more confident that he has a, Boykin like season than any of those three, right? Yeah, but boy, oh boy, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I agree with you. I agree. Yeah, I agree. because I the agree. problem is yeah. that's a that's a not yeah. a great injury to have, right. right? For a receiver, especially. 
Slicer 98 ahead, in 99. Does anyone know why in the beginning of last season the screen game was on the cusp of breaking one and then in a blink of an eye it was completely abandoned? Is the screenplay something that can be used to protect an inexperienced offensive line? Now, the screen game did come back. That was a major part of the offense against Alabama. Um, well, and, yeah, and again, it was try, they were trying to do it against Clemson, but Clemson had it pretty well sniffed out with Williams. Um, I did think it was going to be a, a major weapon after we watched the Duke game. <laughs> How could you not think it was going to be a major weapon? Uh, I don't know why. I mean, Book's an athletic quarterback. They can make athletic throws. The offensive line is going to have much better timing when they have 130 starts together than when they have one. So I, I know maybe you can protect an offensive line with it, but I'm not sure the offensive line can run it as well. Are you? No, absolutely that's not. Harder. That's why I was going to bring that up, yeah. that any experience in offensive, offensive line, that's a, that is a difficult play to execute for an offensive line, let alone, you know, an inexperienced one. I, I think there are a couple things here that I want to throw out. Let's discuss. Book threw it poorly. That's true. I mean, just because we expect him to be good at it doesn't right. mean he was. He just yeah. flat up threw it poorly in a game. Now, and here, again, this is something that's not often thought about, and I don't know if this is true or not, but it, but it's part of football and needs to be discussed. Maybe they worked on it all week, and if you don't execute it in practice, you're not going to call in a game. This isn't, true. I mean, it's not, it's not happenstance when things like that. A coaching staff is not going to have confidence if you don't execute it in practice. I don't know whether they did or not, but Book didn't execute it well in the game, so there's a good chance that he didn't execute it well in practice either, so you're not going to – continually call that uh last thing i would mention about that is jack cone i think will throw it very well jack cone's game is an underneath game when he started was a starter for wisconsin 2019 he was very accurate on the short stuff i don't know specifically how much they threw the screen game but he's accurate in the short game and i think that maybe gives him a better chance of being successful and using it more and i'm all for it because they have Getting the ball to Kyron Williams and Chris Tyree in space is something we can all I have, get Yeah, with, I have no with. doubt after yeah. the Alabama game that Tommy Reese wants to do that more, right. not only with Kyron Williams, because he almost he went 75 yards against Duke, but we know what we know how fast Tyree is and how good he has looked this spring. You absolutely would love to get those two guys in the in the passing game involved. And I think we have a related answer to this question. Kyle underscore Sutfin, who is the second year player you could see taking a Kyron Williams type leap. In other words, grabbing a starting role and excelling at it. I can think of a part-time yeah. starting role, but not starting role. And it's the guy behind Kyron Williams taking Tyree, a second-year yeah, lead. Yeah. I mean, if something were to happen to Kyron Williams, Tyree would definitely step in the starting lineup and would probably be perfectly capable of rushing for 1,000 yards over the course of a season as a starter. Hopefully that, that, that doesn't happen. I don't know. Uh, Drew Pine, I like his competitiveness. Certainly Jordan Johnson's in that category, yeah, that but thought. he's got, you know, we, we've, we have to see more. I, I'll tell you what, I'm, I think I'm more confident that Xavier Watts will emerge than Jordan Johnson. Wow. Year. Well, I can see why he has to, we've still, we've always again, liked. Xavier again, Watts. as I, as I, I think I said to you, the image of that diving grab captured <laughs> yeah. Uh, by uh, you know of of Xavier Watts in practice, I, I think will probably dominate my mind about Xavier Watts the rest of the way. I am ruining a Monday musing, but for everybody that doesn't read Monday <laughs> musings, I want to say it out loud, Tim. Wide receivers look great on a university-produced video where they are showing practice. 
Yes. They look the best of all the positions. So keep that in mind. That's why no doubt. Joe Wilkins looks like he's Miles Boykin running around out there once in a while yeah. because they show the great play he made with the one great play. No doubt about it. Um, defensively, I, Jordan Botello is a prime candidate for that. Um, Cam Hart's not a second-year player. He's a third-year player. But you could you cer- certainly you could see him emerging at, at a cornerback position. And then a first-year guy, we've heard good things. I wanted to, I just wanted to throw this in. We've heard good things about Lorenzo Styles uh, from Saturday too. So, um, you know, those are some guys. Not all of them second-year players, but I'm cheating with the question. And then one last guy, Tosh Baker, even though he doesn't sound as exciting. Oh, sure. Yeah, he's a second-year absolutely. player. B54, when will Notre Dame add another skill position recruit? With all the positive recruiting momentum, especially on defense, it feels like wide receiver will come up short in speed again with Brown, Saunders, and Fair all long shots. Yeah, you know, I don't know that I'm extremely well-versed on the the actual speed of every wide receiver that Notre Dame is looking at. I mean, I think that they, they've put themselves in play for Tobias Merriweather, who has a great catch radius and is long. I think Amorian Walker, although doesn't necessarily look like a speedster, he's very long. I think he's got a great future ahead of him. Her name's involved in Tyler Morris. I mean, I don't have a, I don't have an answer to the question um, specifically. And they no, they probably won't get Brown Saunders or Fair. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know about pure speed at those positions. I think they can add some guys that can be really quality receivers in, in the future. I think Amori and Walker can develop into a, a very good college football uh, receiver. This is going to have a very um glass half full feel to it. But you met, we, somebody mentioned Lindsey Keys and Wilkins all in the same text. They all can come back and there may have to be a bridge gap where you actually have fifth year receivers that are solid players and not dominant players at wide receiver at Notre Dame while Colsey and Johnson and Styles and Watts and everybody else kind of comes up to speed. Um, right. And I know it's, it's the question's about more into the future, but like it's okay once in a while to have development late career. And then they might come back. Like, in other words, Chase Claypool is never coming back, but Boykin could have. And his late career development would have made everybody much more happy with the recruiting situation because Boykin, a, another year of Boykin, just would have looked great. Yeah, that's very um, true. I, I know those guys I said aren't probably going to be as good as Boykin, but you, you can at least bridge the gap into the next uh, generation. Yeah. And let's wrap up here today, Tim, with a question from Kaiser Wilhelm. Which underrated veteran do you think has the best chance of playing his way into an NFL draft pick? Now the question doesn't say next year NFL draft pick. Right. So feel free to choose from some that might uh, not be in the 2022 draft. Although, well, I mean veteran, so it's an older. Yeah. It's an older guy. Broad parameters with this. Do question. we underrate people? <laughs> is, that, is anybody underrated at Irish Illustrated with between uh, analysts and fans and, and posters? I think somewhere along the line. It's, um, who would not? Well, let me throw out a name. I'll yeah. get you started here. I mean, I'm, I think, you I'm know, like Avery, Avery Davis, guys, yeah. Avery Davis yeah. could have a, I mean, he's the best receiver, the wide out that they have right now. And, you know, if he has a 52 catch season and uh, employs the speed that we know he has, I mean, I don't think too many people think about Avery Davis in the NFL right now, but nope, he's right on true. the he's cusp a... of, of, you know, finishing strong. I wouldn't think he would want to come back for a, 
sixth year. No, but... that's you take your chance. No, but nobody wants to do that, man. They everybody takes their chances. Yeah. We're gonna have to start learning that. There's a, uh, no one wants to come back for six years anymore. Um, yeah, NFL draft pick. Uh, how about I mean, Jack? How about Jack Cohn? I, I think he could be. He's his plan is to become an NFL draft pick this coming year. Um, I mean, Jared Patterson, we don't underrate at all. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think about, a guy I like... I mean, what about the Adamiolas? I That's why I wrote down Justin, yeah. because I, I mean, I've, I've loved the way he... I wasn't that high on him coming out of high school, but I mean, every step of the way at Notre Dame, he's been productive. I, I have great admiration for what he's done, how he's produced in a short, you know, short periods of time on the field. I'm still always perplexed when he's listed as shorter than his twin brother, Jason. Because I don't think that he looks that way, but he is listed at six three and a quarter. He said the other day six two two fifty five. I, I just I really like the way Adamiola plays. I, I and I know they had to move MTA out to defensive end because they just don't have another big end. But um, you know it's just important that they uh, uh, have another defensive end to do that. I, Jack, I think it looks like Tim might be frozen, which is a good time for us to correct. Oh, there he is. And I think he's frozen again. We're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Good thing we're on the last question. Thanks for joining us today. We have uh, Nording practices Tuesday and Thursday of this week. We will, we will uh, as always, or as we've done up to this point, provide practice reports and try to be as accurate and uh, uh, unbiased in, in what we what we can see from a three-minute video. But we appreciate you joining us today. Join us next week for Irish Illustrated Insider on Monday. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Irish Illustrated Insider Podcast. If you enjoy our coverage of Notre Dame football, please consider supporting the podcast with a small donation. Go to irishillustrated.com support. Your support will help Irish Illustrated continue to be the leader in coverage of Notre Dame athletics.